0: Welcome to Talk World Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk World Radio, one of the ways in which the killing machine of war just keeps on killing. Our guest, K.J. No, together with Claudius Chopin, whom we tried to have on but had technical difficulties, has published an article in Social Medicine called the Neglected Role of the Military as a Disease Vector, Implications for COVID-19 and for Global Health Policy. Claudia Chauvin is an Associate Professor of Health Policy and Global Health, has Program Director of the Graduate Program in Health at York University. K.J. No is an independent scholar, journalist, and educator specializing in the geopolitics of Asia and in issues of global security and health. We'll have a link to their article up at talkworldradio.org. KJ, welcome to Talk World Radio.
1: Thank you so much. A pleasure to be with you.
0: Thank you for coming on. So very interesting article. It seems there have been outbreaks of COVID in the U.S. military and subsequently in populations living near U.S. military bases. Is that right?
1: Yes, that's absolutely true. I mean, there's a well-known historical fact that the military has been a significant incubator of, uh, diseases simply because of the n- nature in which, uh, you know, uh, soldiers train and live and eat, uh, together. There's no such thing as social distancing in the military, but also, uh, because of the way in which the U.S. military, which has bases in, uh, 800 bases around the world, and does 170 operations, uh, does operations in 170 countries. Uh, and it does these maneuvers uh, in a kind of extraterritorial way. That is to say, U.S. troops travel between countries, but they're not re- required to go through passport control, uh, to apply for visas, to uh, they're not obliged to follow local health regulations. They are Essentially, uh, they go in and out and do whatever they want. And so this creates a massive uh, gap in a global uh, public health regime. And we noticed that there are many, many places, many, many countries, many, many regions that had effectively shut down uh, uh, COVID transmission, but then had sudden outbreaks, large outbreaks of COVID, Uh, And it can easily be correlated to the presence of military bases and the uh, transportation and the movement of U.S. military soldiers.
0: What are uh, a couple of uh, examples examples of places 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 where this has happened?
1: Well, you can see this in Hawaii, which has a large base presence. You can see this in Guam. Uh, You can see this in Bavaria. You can see this in uh, Seoul, uh, Korea, which uh, almost, uh, you know, eradicated Uh, COVID for a while there. Probably the clearest example is Okinawa, which last year in March had a small outbreak, about 150 cases, and then they implemented very strong public health measures and they uh, eradicated uh, the transmission of COVID completely. However, after a four-month period of absolutely no transmission, uh, there was a sudden large outbreak and this was traced to uh, U.S. military troops in Okinawa. Okinawa has a very large U.S. military presence and it was uh, shown that there were super spreader events uh, caused by the U.S. military uh, because uh, the military was celebrating the 4th of July. And as a result of that, at the current moment, one out of 48 People in Okinawa has uh, COVID, and it's a you know a tremendous uh, you know public health issue right now. But all of this is to say that uh, the fact is that the U.S. was able to break through Okinawa's sanitary cordon, this uh, public health cordon, because it had this extraterritoriality of being able to send troops in and out at will. And when the Okinawan government asked for the names uh, and the places where u s military had traveled uh, had been present or the individuals uh, as a matter of doing you know normal contact tracing, the u s military refused.
0: It's a a, a situation in Okinawa where I want to ask, are people getting upset and protesting, but it's hard to imagine them doing so more than they are already when you have... Uh, three quarters of the people opposing new bases, the politicians elected to stop the bases, the governor demanding that a new base not be built, and the U.S. and Japanese governments uh, together just overriding uh, all of that public interest uh, and elected representation in Okinawa. But I'll ask it anyway, have have governments in Okinawa or anywhere else on the world registered, dared to register register? any sort of complaints about this
1: problem? You know, it's a really interesting question you pose there because I would say, for the most part, this has been third rail stuff. Most governments won't touch it. Uh, even the journals uh, won't touch it. We're talking about, you know, scientific medical journals. This is a, you know, deeply researched um, paper, uh, but most medical journals would not publish it. Uh, we wrote a rebuttal to an earlier Lancet article. Uh, which, uh, and and The Lancet would not even publish our letter. So this is definitely third rail stuff. But in the case of Okinawa itself, it's very interesting. You know, the Japanese government never criticizes the U.S. government because it's essentially an appendage of the U.S. government It was put into place by the U.S. government. Uh, but in this case, both the uh, governor of Okinawa Uh, And the Japanese mainstream press essentially took the U.S. to task and took the U.S. to task for its uh, status of forces agreement. These are the political agreements that give U.S. troops immunity and extraterritoriality and impunity uh, when they commit, uh, which allows them to do whatever they want to do. And the Japanese government, uh, the Okinawan government, came out strongly denouncing and put its putting its finger directly uh, on naming the status of forces agreement.
0: But not the Japanese government government. far away from Uh, Okinawa.
1: (laughs) It's been it's been a kind of an indirect, but clearly the Japanese government themselves are very upset about this, too.
0: You mentioned, K.J. No, you mentioned this uh, Lancet article that you refer to in your paper that describes uh, COVID uh, outbreaks in Africa and looks at causes, but apparently makes no mention of the the U.S. military, right?
1: Yes. So, um, you know, there was an article in Lancet. early uh, last year, which was uh, claimed to assess the risk of COVID transmission into Africa, essentially that, you know, Africa is at risk, clearly, because it doesn't have a lot of the public health infrastructure, but also that, you know, there was travel from, uh, that there were disease vectors that were being imported into Africa. And it was only mentioning uh, Chinese uh, travel, uh, and into civilian airports, and my um, my uh, colleague, Dr. Shofan, uh, and I, we said, "Wait, that doesn't make any sense." You know, Africa does not do significant uh, air travel with uh, China, for example, but there are massive movements of U.S. troops into Africa. There are air bases, there are bases, there are uh, lily pads. There is a significant U.S. presence in Africa, especially in the Sahel. And so we said to ourselves, why isn't the, this being noticed and tracked? Uh, and of course, The Lancet refused to you know, point out what we thought was a very reasonable um, you know, um, uh, fact. And so then we just went deeper and, and uh, you know, researched and published this article in another journal, but much later.
0: We're speaking with KJ, no co-author of an article. We'll have a link to it at talkworldradio.org. Uh, you also, KJ, mentioned Ireland uh, in your article. What uh, what's, the what's the situation there with the U.S. military?
1: Well, uh, Ireland once again, you know, has a significant U.S. Uh, uh, you know transit and presence, uh, and you know this has been a bone of contention for uh, the Irish. Uh, uh, You know, uh, rightly so. I mean, they have objected to, you know, the transfer of prisoners for rendition, among other things. But uh, U.S. troops were found to have had COVID. Uh, You know, the government requested information and measures. And, of course, once again, the response was stonewalling.
0: And, and so again the so again, problem the seems, seems to, be to be the US military, US military above being above the rule rules of rules, local, local law, law in all of these all dozens of places, places around the world, around the world. Uh, and uh, on top and of and that top there's of a that, problem, there's of, problem of of secrecy, secrecy right? right they're they're, they're above they're any, any requirement, requirement to tell to anybody what they're doing, they're doing. Um, is, um, is how much is how that a factor here
1: yes and so there are two issues there one is, uh, when the U.S. Uh, has a base in uh, a host country, it uh, negotiates what are called status of forces agreements. And this essentially gives the U.S. forces immunity, impunity, and uh, extraterritoriality. They're like diplomats. They can't be held for most crimes. They're not subject to most laws. And certainly, uh, they can be exempt from public health measures. Except as they would choose to uh, engage with them on a voluntary basis. But the other aspect of this, and this goes to uh, a much more serious uh, flaw in um, US uh, policy, is that in 2005 the United States carved out an exemption for its own military in the U.N. International Health Regulations. Now, the United Nations, IHR, International Health Regulations require, of course, reasonably, that every country should report major outbreaks of disease that might be of international concern. The U.S. has carved out this exemption because they claim that having to report troops who are sick would undermine the ability of the U.S. armed forces to operate effectively in pursuit of their national security interests. In other words, if you have to report that troops are sick and where they are sick and how many are sick, you're essentially disclosing troop movement. And the U.S. wants to have a kind of carte blanche to keep all of this under the radar, to keep it secret. And this lack of transparency is clearly uh, you know, a serious problem. There
0: there seems to be a pattern of legal exemptions, uh, of permitted secrecy, but also of just voluntary omission and not wanting to talk about these things. So, So you have all of these climate agreements that exclude the military, give waivers to militaries, go ahead and destroy the climate. You have endless news coverage of budgetary issues in the U.S. government where half the money is going to the military, but there's no mention of it, doesn't exist. Green New Deals Green and New other, deals, legislation other legislation drafted, drafted as if there's no, military, military, no, no military, no mention it. Uh, of it. Most U.S. Congress members run for Congress run with for campaign Congress. websites campaign that never mention the, the existence of the world of the war, or the military or the, or the military, budget, or, the or, the budget war, or war or peace, or peace, just, or peace just, just doesn't exist. exist. It, it seems, there's, it a seems there's a desire in our culture and in our the structures of our society to just pretend that the militarism yeah, the isn't there. We, we don't want to think about it too to closely. closely. Is, is, I mean, it, it, it seems, seems to, be to be part of a pattern, more than an or exception, or that, that the, military the military as a disease, as disease vector, vector would be left be out of consideration. Uh, consideration. Does it seem that way to you?
1: Yes, this, this is absolutely correct. I mean, to remove uh, the military as a disease vector is an incredibly foolish uh, action from a public health measure, because the military, uh, you know, as we point out in our article, has been a huge vector of disease. The greatest uh, uh, epidemic in modern history was caused by the U.S. military. I'm talking about the Spanish flu, which was transported by U.S. troops in Kansas to Europe uh, during World War I, where it killed more people than the war itself. We estimate somewhere between 50 to 100 million people perished from the Spanish flu and about uh, half a billion people were infected. But the core issue, as you point out, is this uh, uh, exemption, which, you know, I think we can point to is really a manifestation of U.S. exceptionalism, the U.S. exceptionalism that manifests as a kind of exemptionism. Uh, you know, the the total lack of transparency. You know, when we went into Iraq, the military said that we don't do body counts. Uh, we went into Afghanistan, no body counts. What we do know is they were doing what they call snitch counts, which is to count the number of people who would turn in their fellow uh, citizens uh, as if that were some useful metric of the gains that, you, that the U.S. was making. But that's a terrible way to run any policy to you know, count the number of citizens that betray each other. But anyway, the fact is, the U.S. always seems to carve out exemptions for itself, certainly uh, regarding greenhouse gas emissions. We know that the U.S. military as a single greenhouse gas uh, emitter is larger than many countries, for example if it were a country, it would be somewhere in the uh, 40th, uh, you know, uh, uh, it would be about 40th or 50th in in its uh, greenhouse gas emissions. And the same thing with, you know, its lack of transparency in many, many areas, and its exception that it carves out, for example, International Criminal Court Commission against the, you know, uh, discrimination against women, etc. It's a long-standing issue, and it really has to do with exceptionalism that manifests as exemptions.
0: I, I imagine you're aware, K.J., though many listeners may not be, why this uh, Spanish flu was mislabeled the Spanish flu. Uh, do, you, do you recall how it got that name?
1: Yes. Uh, I, I mean, essentially, uh, this goes back to what you said, the same kind of lack of transparency and the exceptionalism, the exemption, uh, exemptions. Uh, there was a blackout on the reporting of uh, flu victims. And Spain was the only country that had clear and transparent reporting. And so it was reporting its cases. And therefore, it looked as if, you know, Spain was the epicenter of this uh, flu, when, of course, it was not. This has a, a rough uh, analogy with, uh, for example, the current situation with COVID where China is being tarred with having caused the um in you know, covid outbreak when actually uh there's very very strong evidence right now that shows that for example there were there was a there was a case in the United States where a person did, was died from covid uh in in the week in the second week of January which would make it about the same time as China in other words there's good evidence to show that covid The COVID outbreak happened in many, many places around the world. And it seems that China was simply the first country to notice and report it.
0: Uh, in, indeed. Uh, uh, indeed. And you have, uh, these, attacks and you have these attacks on over China over the possibility unproven, the, unproven, unproven that it came from a lab or from researchers in China researchers with China. very little mention, of, very the little mention of the fact that this was a lab with international, lab, including international U.S., funding US and support, funding support and participation, support participation, so that it makes a very bad so sort, of, sort of, criticism of, criticism of, of criticism of China, even China if it should be proven true. And very little mention of the terrific job that China did of controlling the Thing, uh, once, the uh, once the outbreak happened, happened. Um, but you 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 talk so, in your you paper, in your uh, KJ, about uh, KJ, about numerous about disease numerous epidemics, epidemics in the past spread by, past spread by militaries by and by, the US, by, by the, US the U.S. military, not just, just not just the so-called just Spanish, Spanish flu, flu but, but STDs yes, in yes, Korea, meningococcal disease, swine flu, cholera. There's an established pattern here, right? This wouldn't be something new.
1: Yes absolutely. Uh, troops uh, and in particular US troops have historically been huge vectors and incubators of disease transmission and as you point out the Spanish flu, meningococcal disease, uh, uh, STDs, uh, you can correlate the presence uh, of STD outbreaks with the presence of troops. Uh, in South Korea these actually led to riots at one point in the 70s. Uh, cholera Mm, Cholera, for example, uh, in Haiti has been, you know, traced back to United Nations uh, troops. And, of course, H1N1 itself uh, was found in a U.S. military clinic in San Diego in a U.S. military uh, family. And so this is, you know, there's a clear historical pattern and there are clear reasons for it. You know, the, the living, training, deployment conditions all are conducive to incubation and transmission of disease. And, you know, once again, as we, as, as, as we say in the article, Guam, Okinawa, uh, Hawaii, Japan, Bavaria, South Korea, uh, Indonesia, Thailand, all of these countries either have uh, a large outbreak correlated to the presence of U.S. troops or uh, correlated uh, uh, right after Uh, large exercises with US troops.
0: This this, this, outbreak, this KJ outbreak, KJ know, of, of, of uh, COVID around the world, whether or not it had not anything had at anything, all to, do, all to with do with disease researchers or bioweapons researchers, or bioweapons researchers, researchers anywhere on, on Earth, on Earth. Uh, it, it, does uh, it does seem that there is a risk, a risk and there, there are, are past are examples, examples of, of these, these bioweapons labs, labs causing these causing outbreaks. These I think very clearly more more with Lyme disease, I don't know if you agree with, me. Um, and Nicholson, Nicholson Baker's, Baker's latest book, latest he book points uh, to the uh, same, to source, the same for source for outbreaks, for outbreaks of, of rabbit fever, Q fever, fever, fever bird, bird flu, stem, stem rust, African rust, swine spider fever, spider hog fever, cholera, cholera uh, etc. Uh, et uh, is is, uh, there, is a, there a, a, a danger? danger? Is there an outrageous, there an outrageous risk, risk being taken, uh, taken by uh, governments by researching these diseases and trying to weaponize them?
1: Um, you know, I don't think there's uh, a risk, uh, in terms of research. The research that I understand, uh, can be done safely, uh, and, um, you know, with all precautions. For example, uh, the Wuhan lab had a BSL-4 Laboratory that they spent almost 18 years building, and it was built by the French. They're collaborating with the French. The, the U.S. inspected it, and it was actually parts of their research was funded by the U.S. But a uh, BSL-4 lab, the Wuhan BSL-4 lab, is essentially the equivalent of a bank vault placed uh, inside uh, a submarine. Uh, inside, uh, you know, a, a walled, uh, you know, enclosure. It's, it's, it's highly unlikely that there was any leak from there. But we know that the United States has several hundred, uh, you know, bio warfare labs. Uh, it has, it does have a history of using bio warfare. And I think that is adequately shown uh by the research uh that has been done about the use of biowarfare in korea so yes i think biowarfare is very very dangerous uh and it should not be done uh and certainly it should not be done in this non-transparent fashion uh at uh, fort detrick or the hundreds of other us affiliated uh labs uh, around the world uh you know in Largely in eastern europe
0: and and presumably researchers going out in the field and collecting bats and specimens uh, and bringing them, no matter to what kind of a bank vault inside of a submarine, they aren't inside of that bank vault inside of that submarine until they get there, right?
1: Well, you know, David, I'm going to take a little bit of a you know an exception to what you say there. Sure. Um, I mean, this is the argument of um, um, Baker and Wade, you know, and a few others. I want I want us to think about the fact that first, if uh, if a disease is out there, if a virus is out there already in nature, then it's highly unlikely that a researcher would have leaked it. When, on an average, millions of people have daily contact with the same bats. I mean. You know, bats are, what, one quarter of, you know, the uh, mammalian species. So there's an incredible number of them. And we know that millions of people have routine contact with bats. So to think that uh, a researcher having, you know, maybe a half a dozen researchers having very uh, specific and measured contact with bats... Uh, is the case when you have millions of contacts on a daily basis by regular people, that seems unlikely. You know, it's, for example, the other day uh, I saw uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, a deer uh, in the East Bay uh, where I live. Now, did that deer escape from one of the zoos in the San Francisco area, or is it just out there all the time? Well, we know they're out there all the time. And I think it's the same thing with uh, these viruses. Uh,
0: very interesting. And, and KJ, know when when the the government of China started the lockdown and quarantining, you discuss in your paper the the response of other countries, of of U.S. media, for example. What what was it?
1: Well, you know, so this is very interesting. When China happened, it happened abruptly. They were facing uh, a closed book exam. They didn't know what they were facing, how dangerous it was, what the incubation period was, how lethal it was. But what they did was what they did uh, uh, from previous experience is they locked everything down, which is standard non-pharmaceutical intervention. It's simply good public health. You shut down the system. And once you've shut down the system, you can slow things down enough that you can start to track and trace. Then you can selectively isolate and then you can start to treat. That was the model. It's been proven over and over again. It's the model that we've used since at least the 16th century. The New York Times and all the pundits came out saying that there was no way that this could work. That this was simply a a manifestation of of Chinese authoritarianism had nothing to do with public health. And therefore they said it would not work and that essentially no country should replicate it. We've, We've seen how flawed that advice was.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, we have we we have, we have just about, just a, about minute a minute and a half left. A half um, left. Um, we are we always are piling on these additional ways in which ways war, kills war kills people and does and damage, damage, damage and damage and has, and has costs. costs. But the basic but the idea basic of war already, already is killing people. people. Is killing. Uh, war uh, directly is one of the top of the causes of direct, of direct death and injury. Not to mention indirectly. If that's not reason enough to end it. Is there anything that should make us think uh, that showing more ways in which war kills, such as troops, spreading pandemics via bases, uh, will make a difference? Uh, Will turn anyone against uh, this this militarism?
1: Well, the violence of war is so often it's uh, camouflaged, cloaked and misdirected. And so we can have massive wars in the Middle East, you know, that create millions of casualties. But we our you know, we there's a, a system that allows us to avert our eyes. This is, you know, the propaganda system. But in the case of a pandemic, pandemics travel across borders and they directly affect us. So what is happening in Afghanistan or in Africa or in Okinawa affects us too. And I think this is yet one more reason why we should be paying attention and thinking strongly about uh, enacting measures to uh, contain military activities and military operations. Uh,
0: very well said and very well, well, said, done, very well paper. done paper. It's called paper The Neglected Role of the, the military, role military, military as a Disease, disease Vector, Implications for COVID-19, for COVID-19 and for Global Health Policy by Claudia Chauvin and by and our guest K.J. KJ no. K.J., thank you KJ very, 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 much very, much very much for coming on Talk World, World Radio. Radio.
1: Thank you so much, David.
0: Peace is the way.